630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. All right, good to have you tuning in tonight. About 15 minutes left in the third. The Panthers lead the Flames 4-2. After two periods, Boston up 3-2 on New Jersey. Early in the third, Lightning now with a 6-2 advantage on the Blue Jackets. Seven minutes left in the second period. Red Wings leading the Sharks 4-1. And the Avalanche lead the Blackhawks 2-0 with about five minutes left in the first period. Some games coming up later on tonight, including the Jets and the Coyotes. Oilers and Maple Leafs tomorrow on 6-30, Chet. 3-30 in the afternoon for the face-off show. The game will start at 5. Connor McDavid and Derek Ryan positive COVID test today rapid tests so they'll get tested again and who knows maybe they can play tomorrow austin matthews was positive yesterday then uh, had another test that came back negative held out of practice today but may be available for the leafs tomorrow night so that's the story there also some news from the edmonton elks today as they hire three men to the coaching staff marcus howell is the run game coordinator and the receivers coach stephen mcadoo is the offensive coordinator and this gentleman is the pass game coordinator and the quarterbacks coach as we welcome Jarius Jackson back to Inside Sports. Jarius, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well, Reed. How are you doing today? Well, uh, you, heard, you I don't know if you heard the forecast there, and the, the, the wind chill's minus 37 Celsius. So I'm not sure if you're in Edmonton yet or in a warmer climate right now. But, I mean, you're, an honor, you're, you're a Canadian pretty much now, so uh, <laughs> you know what that's like. <laughs> Yeah, I do pretty much know what that's like. You're right. I'm uh, pretty much Canadian now. I did hear it. You probably didn't hear my response to it because I think I was on hold, but I heard it's 24, but feels like minus 37. So I'm hoping that uh, the season never gets pushed back this far. Yeah, I don't think it. I don't think it will. Uh, I, 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 you know what? I ask a lot of football players this question, but I don't get tired of asking it because I get some of the best stories as a result. So I will ask you the the mm-hmm. coldest game you ever played in, or the or the worst weather you ever played in. It doesn't have to be in the CFL. You can go back to high school or college if you want. No, it was definitely at Notre Dame in South Bend, Indiana. We uh, off of the Great Lakes there. We definitely experienced. Uh, some colder temperatures, just like uh, you guys are going through right now. I don't think it was in the minus 30s, but uh, it was pretty cold. So I would definitely say in South Bend, I don't remember the exact temperature, but it was one of those games where I put on socks, I had on plastic, and then I had on another pair of socks. And then, um, you know, I think, we, you know, Coach Holtz ended up turning the heaters off of us on, on the sideline because more guys were worried about the heater than they were about the game. And, uh, you know, we would drink the chicken broth at halftime and, and, you know, try to make it through the second half. So definitely at Notre Dame was my worst experience when it comes to temperature and dealing with football games. And, and Lou Holtz wouldn't let you use the heaters. Well, all the offensive linemen were probably bare-sleeved anyway, though, right? Oh, no doubt. I mean, you know those guys don't care. They got a little more girth to them as well, so that helps. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, uh, hey, you know, welcome back to the Edmonton Elks. Um, just tell me a little bit about the opportunity again to uh, – to work with Chris Jones and he uh, you know, Chris strikes me for whatever reason. And maybe you can explain it because I, I, you know, I talked to players who have played for him in the past and now a lot of you coaches are kind of reforming the the team here. Is it, is it, does it, is it loyalty that he inspires or is it just a, an enjoyable work environment with Chris? How do you sum it up? Uh, I would say definitely an enjoyable uh, work environment. You know, Chris is a great person. Uh, 
you know, despite what some what some think, he's a person that I value and believe in. Um, I, I believe in his philosophy and how he goes about about his day as far as uh, assembling a team and building a team and preparing guys to go out and compete and win games. And that's the main thing that he cares about. He cares about winning football games. I mean, you know, we're, we're both uh, from the South, and as you know, football is uh, – Definitely big in the South, so, um, you know, that we grew up in small towns, so there's a lot of similarities between us. But um, at the end of the day, Chris is a proven winner. Uh, and, and, you know, I've heard people say the cliche of, you know, he's a player's coach, which is true. Um, he, he just does the things that, that players like, and, and they'll go out and run through a wall for you. You know what I mean? And, and that's just Chris, Chris Jones in my eyes as far as summing him up. A lot of players have said to me the tempo of his, of his practices. Uh, you know, a former old lineman was explaining the, the double barrel stuff to me a, a, a few weeks ago. Uh, can you kind of give us that, that insight into the tempo of the practices and, and how they help when it comes to the game day? Yeah, well, the tempo of the practices is all about playing fast, right? Like on the game day, you want your guys to be fresh. You want your guys to be able able to go out and play fast because at the end of the day, uh, sometimes things that you draw up on the board, the X's and O's, um, there's going to be mistakes made. you got 12 guys on the field, and it takes all 12 to be on the same page in order to execute a play. And um, by being able to play fast, sometimes you can make up for those mistakes. And so uh, we try to make sure that everybody gets reps. You know, like we don't like guys just standing around and getting mental reps. Like we want everybody to be able to get reps. So what double barrel is, is you have a group going from the 45 going one direction north and then you have another group going south. And that's the offensive side and the defensive side. So, you know, a play is called. They run a play. After that play is over, we turn and focus our attention to the other group. They run a play. And that's how it goes. And it goes back and forth, back and forth. And it could be like that all day long. Uh, in regards to the practice. So, therefore, now when you have injuries, you know, guys now can can say that they've had reps. It's not as if you've had four weeks of practices and, and, you know, a particular guy in a particular group only had a small amount of reps. You know, in this fashion, everybody gets reps. Everybody's available. Everybody's ready to play uh, whenever their number is called. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes a lot of sense. Jarius Jackson joining us on Inside Sports, QB coach, passing game coordinator for the uh, Edmonton Elks. Uh, so you were on that conference call earlier today, and I asked offensive coordinator Stephen McAdoo a question. I- I'm kind of going to ask you the same thing. It, it seems mm-hmm. to me maybe the last couple of seasons there haven't been as many big plays in the CFL, and maybe the games are lower scoring. And, and I and I I sort of feel and look I'm I'm an observer I, I'm a fan I don't pretend to know everything it's more just a gut feeling for me Jarius that maybe you know defenses are dictating more often than offenses are you know I asked Steve that question and he said yeah I'm not so sure about that offensive coordinators want to attack it just doesn't always work out that way um, is there anything to what I'm saying that the defensive seem to be the aggressor. Uh, more often than maybe in, in, in the past? Or, or, or what are you seeing uh, out there on well, the field I, the last couple of years? Well, yeah, they can get, get a little bit, bit more jumpy. I mean, the, you know, it's the coordinators. Of course, the coordinators are calling the plays. So, um, you know, it's all about, you know, the chances that the coordinators want to take, whether they want to come after you and see if you can protect and hold up or if not. Like some, a lot of guys like to play double cut in different coverages where, you know, they're, they're dropping, uh, you know, nine guys and rushing three. So that can definitely um, make the score and go down. 
uh, when, when teams are playing more coverage as opposed to coming out the quarterback. So um, the score may have been down this past year. I mean, in my opinion, you got to think that, you know, there was a year layoff, right? So uh, guys are definitely getting back accustomed to being on the field and playing and things of that nature. But, um, you know, offensively, we're always on the attack. Like, you know, I just think it's all about the play call and the execution of the play. So, you know, there's times that, you know, de- depending on the play that's called, you can definitely attack the third level as far as getting deep. But, you know, if, if the defense is going to take it away, then the quarterback got to be smart with the football and whether he's coming to the second or first level with it, then that's just how it plays out. But, um, you know, to answer that question, I just think that, you know, it's just all about the play call and about the execution of the play. Okay. I, I got I, and I, I know you were asked this earlier. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 you know, I got the impression maybe it was a, a question that, the answer will be left for a while. But if I don't ask you while I have you on the show, people are going to wonder why I didn't ask. So I will ask you. Uh, Nick Nick Arbuckle is, is an elk, mm-hmm. and you had mm-hmm. him with uh, Toronto. Uh, can you say anything about your impressions of Nick and, and, has, and his career? Uh, I think Nick has, has, has had a decent career. Um, you know, he, he's, he's, he went from Calgary and he got his opportunity and, uh, you know, went to Ottawa and, and you know, within the – the uh, pandemic year didn't work out. Uh, we ended up getting him in Toronto during my time there. And, you know, then he ended up being traded to Edmonton. And, you know, I noticed that he didn't play there. But, you know, for us, we're just in the process of evaluating all the guys that we have, um, you know, on the roster right now, whether it's Dakota, whether it's Nick, whether it's, you know, Taylor. Like, we're, we're in the process of evaluating all those guys. And, you know, we'll see where it goes. Okay, fair enough. I, I'm just going to throw a couple more at you here because you referenced your Notre Dame days. So, so I, I don't think you and I have ever talked about that before. So that's, I mean, you played at one of the preeminent uh, football uh, programs in the United States, what, and, and we're coming up on the national championship. What what bowls did you play in when you were there? I can't recall off the top of my head. Uh, I played in, the, it was a bowl in Florida. I can't remember exactly. It's been so long ago. 96 seems like a long time ago now, so... Uh, I know we played against Florida State in, a, in uh, a bowl game down there in, in Florida. Can't remember the exact name of it, but then I remember that I was a starter in the bowl that we played uh, down in Jacksonville. I want to say it was like the Gator Bowl or something, but those were the main two that um, I remember playing in. Georgia Tech came back to beat us. They had a, a quarterback by the name of Joe Hamilton, and uh, he was a feisty little guy. We, we uh, definitely had the lead, and at the end of the game, I want to say he came back and scored to beat us. So uh, Notre Dame's not doing too well in bowl games. I don't wish to talk about bowl games too much. I want to say we're like 0-20 in bowl games right now. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Notre Dame doesn't have a great track record when it comes to bowl games. Well, uh, I think they had a pretty deep – didn't they go 11-2 and two this season, I want to say? Yeah, that's during the season, but we, were, but we were talking about bowl games, though. Right, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when, you, right. when you play for a program like that, I mean, I assume it kind of the camaraderie and people like me asking you to tell stories or reflect. I mean, that probably never goes away with when you're part of a program like that. Oh, definitely not. I mean, you know, we were all elated as, as uh, former domers. Uh, in regards to when the team made it down to play Alabama. Uh, you know, back in, I want to say that was 2012 or 13 when they went to go play for the national championship in Miami. But, um, you know, we was hoping for the best. But you know how it is when you're playing a Nick Saban team. So, um, you know, we were hoping for the best. But, you know, we were still proud of our guys that they made it just like this year. Proud of our guys that they were able to make it to 
to a bowl game and, and happy to see Coach Freeman able to get his opportunity to go out and uh, lead those men, even though they ended up losing the game. Okay. Do you got a prediction for the final here between uh, Alabama and Georgia? Uh, Alabama by a lot. I don't know what the final score is going to be, but I got Alabama by a lot. <laughs> they're, they're that good, eh? Okay. Well, oh, yeah. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Well, Jarius, thanks for checking in. We wish you all the, rest of the, all the best here as you return to the Edmonton Elks. Really appreciate the interview tonight. Always learn something when I talk to you. And, uh, yeah, pack up those uh, the park and the long johns, buddy, for wherever you're heading north. <laughs> Oh, oh yeah, I definitely, uh, I definitely have everything prepared for, uh, for when I come up there for the, for that weather. Not looking forward to the minus 37, but uh, definitely looking forward to the opportunity. And and thanks for having me. Right on. That is Jarius Jackson checking in tonight, the uh, passing game coordinator, quarterbacks coach for the Edmonton Elks. As also today, they hire Stephen McAdoo as the offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator with Chris Jones here in the past. Marcus Howell is going to be the run game coordinator and the uh, receivers coach. So Jones kind of uh, reassembling some of the players he has worked with in the past. And some of these guys were uh, with uh, Toronto recently. Obviously, Jarius Jackson was uh, just there and is now coming to the Elks. Good to have him on the program on the Certainty Hotline, where you can also chime in at 780-496-0063. A lot of uh, Oilers chatter today as uh, the team is going through a crisis here, just 2-8-2 and in their last 12 games. A lot of talk about what they need the most, what they should do next. A lot of armchair GMs and coaches out there that uh, I've been conversing with uh, tonight and in days past. And if you want to check in, I am happy to hear from you because this is currently a very, very tough run and obviously some concerning things when it comes to the play and comes to the results. Zach Hyman returning to Toronto. You'll hear a bit from him when we get back. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Uh, is today, I'm seeing a lot of, is today the anniversary of the uh, Patrick Steffen missing the open net? I, I believe it is. Because I've seen this, uh, some video pop up on my timeline. Remember that, Kellen? Are you old enough to remember that? Oh, yeah. Yep. And it is. I've seen the same uh, clips you, you did during the days uh, today and that stuff. So, uh, yeah, uh, probably one of the more uh, bizarre and uh, let's call it interesting moments from the history of uh, the old Northlands Coliseum back in the day. Yes, this was Patrick Steffen of the uh, Dallas Stars I guess, 15 years ago today. Wow, January 4th, 2017. So he misses a, an open net to uh, put the game away for Dallas. And the Oilers get the puck the other way and score. Now, I believe Dallas still won the game, correct? So they still got two points, but the Oilers got a, a point out of it instead of zero. Yeah, I'm just watching the video here. I mean, here's the thing. I, I kind of feel bad for the guy because, I mean, we've seen players miss open nets. There was somebody on Nashville a few years ago that they they had the open net and they went in and they they shot it like they were trying to go upstairs and they lifted it all the way up over the glass. I and, think that was Craig Smith. That. Yeah, I remember that yeah, when he was with Nashville. I mean, Patrick Steffen, he was 
obviously it's embarrassing. I'm not trying to argue that. And it's going to be played as a blue. I'm watching it right now. He's taking the puck slowly in on goal. And he's just going to guide it into the net, as a lot of players do. I mean, he wasn't going to go in there and slap it or put it top shelf or right in off the post. Uh, and the puck just flipped over a stick. And then, of course, as he tried to recover, he fell down, which made everything worse. And then, like, if, if the Oilers don't go back and score, then it's, I guess it would still be played as a blooper, but it's even more bloopery, which is a word, I believe. I, I believe bloopery is an official word. It's even more bloopery because the Oilers took the puck the other way in, like, four seconds and scored. Yeah, and I, was that... Is that Bergeron that fan art? Yeah, I mean, Stefan's just, he's just trying to guide the backhand into the net and the puck flips over a stick. I don't know. The unintentional goof. I guess I shouldn't say I really feel bad for him. I just don't think that's the stupidest thing you could ever do in the history of sports, right? <laughs> that, that could be, we'll have to do that show someday. The stupidest thing you could ever do in the history of sports. I mean, it raises a question on an open net. Would you rather miss like that or would you rather, you know, bank it off the post and the other team grabs grabs the rebound and scores, right? So, Well, the Oilers did score. Yeah, that's right? what I'm saying. Is that, would you rather have the other team but score he, off of that? What, or? what I'm saying is he wasn't trying to do anything stupid or fancy. He was just, gonna, he was just guiding the puck into right. the net. Yeah. And it spun away from him. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not like he tried a full slap shot from five feet and shot it wide. And then, you know, where it's like, why would he even try that? He was, ma- he was making a normal play. Yeah, 99% of the time, it's, show off. It, it's a normal play. Yeah. yeah, It's that yeah. 1% that we all tune in for, though. <laughs> that's, well, that's the beauty of sports. The unexpected can happen. Okay, uh, Zach Hyman. Back in Toronto, he used to be uh, a Maple Leaf. He was asked about the Oilers' current slump. Yeah, you have to build your way out of it. I mean, it's such a fine line in hockey. Uh, when things are going well, you know, in the beginning of the year, we're finding ways to win, probably win games we probably shouldn't win. Uh, and then now we're, we're probably losing games that we should be winning. So, fine line, um, but you just got to keep playing the right way and it's going to turn. And uh, and once you start to get on a roll, and then, you know, we know that we're capable of putting wins together. So, uh, just have to stick with it. 3.30 face-off show tomorrow, game at 5. Oilers at Maple Leafs, Edmonton 0-2-2 on their current five-game road trip. Going to try to salvage a win. Then they don't play again until Monday when they host the Ottawa Senators, and then they got a break uh, after that, which with more games postponed next week. Okay, we had to call a quick timeout. We'll take a closer look at the Leafs with Gord Stellick when we get back to Inside Sports. 6.30 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad.